I, I don't know if some of you know this or not, but I'm at this this uh, fall. I've I've been teaching ministry students, and and so I'm one of the the teachers, and I'm, I'm teaching the book of Romans, and uh, man, it, God and I are just having a good time. I don't know if the, the class is, but but God and I are, and I, I'm just. I'm relearning some things, and God's encouraging me some in some things. And as I've been studying it, I just God just kind of led me, you know, to to go this direction. So we're going to talk about for three or four weeks, maybe five at the most, walking in victory over sin. How many of you believe? Now, before I before I ask this question, when you believe something, it means you live it out. Okay. If I don't live it out, I don't really believe it. All right, so I'm going to get the definition correct. But how many of you believe that you can have victory over sin? Okay, all right. Now, I realize that all of us struggle with sin. Amen? I mean, is there anybody in here that doesn't? Well, let me, let me time out. I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to let the kids go, okay? Amen. So nobody said anything, and I, Mandy's over here. She's already dropped her head. She's he's forgot me. So I gotta let I gotta let the I gotta let the kids go. I'm I'm way ahead of myself. I'm I'm kind of foaming at the mouth to get started on this. Okay. All right. But how many of you? I've already asked. I'm gonna ask it again. How many of you struggle with sin? Okay. We all do, don't we? We all commit acts of sin from time to time, right? I hope none of us commit sin all the time, though, okay? I hope it's not a lifestyle, because if it's a lifestyle, that is, if it's a continual habit, that just, I mean, it's just, it, there's no break in it. Scripture says we don't belong to Jesus, all right? That, that's not what I say, that's what John says in 1 John. But all of us commit acts of sin, it's a constant enemy that, that kind of dogs our steps. And, and its its goal is to destroy us and to diminish our relationship with God. Now, most of us know what sin is, okay? It's anything that falls short of God's glory for us, all right? God wants us to walk in His glory. He wants us to reflect His glory. And it, it, sin can be a thought, it can be an action. It can be a word. It can be something we do. But you realize it can also be something we don't do that we should have done. It, 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 all of us struggle with, with sin. And, and for most of us, there's a sin that, that we struggle with individually. We don't all struggle with the same sin. Amen? I'm not sure y'all believe me or something happy. Lord, we just really don't want to go there today. This is not something, we, we, we came for something happy, okay? I'm going to give you something that will make you happy, all right? But we got to take the medicine first, amen? But all of us struggle with a handful of sins. Romans 3.23 is, is, is crystal clear. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in the same place. That's what scripture says. We're all we all struggle with. None of us are immune to the touch of sin and none of us but none of us have to be slaves of sin. Okay? We don't have to sin. All right? Now I I'm, I'm going to say this before we start. I don't believe in 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 a place where we get to 
where we don't ever sin at all. Okay, I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches uh, sinless perfection. All right, but I do believe that we can have victory over sin. That is, we can walk in dominion over it. It doesn't have to rule our life. It doesn't have to control us. Every night before we go to bed, we don't have to pray, oh God, forgive me for this, 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 and this. All right? We ought to be able to get to the place. Jesus didn't just die to forgive us of sin. He died to give us victory over it. And that's part of the reason he's left us here after we got saved is to learn how to have victory over it. To learn how to rule and to reign over our lives. Okay? We're we're not supposed to let sin have dominion over us. We're not supposed to let sin rule and reign over us. How many of you realize that in the next life, those that learn to rule here will get to rule there? That's what Scripture teaches But if we don't learn to rule here, guess what? We're not going to rule there. All right? So we have to learn to rule. And the place that God starts with is our own bodies. We have to learn to rule over our own bodies. And so none of us are immune to its touch, but none of us have to be slaves of it. Now, most of us have believed a lie when it comes to our own particular brand of bondage. All of us struggle with something, right? Now, it may be different. What I struggle with may be different than what you struggle with. And you may be sitting by somebody, but it's probably likely that they struggle with something different than you struggle with. We all struggle with something. But God's very clear. We can walk in victory over sin if we learn to walk out the prescription that God has provided for us. Okay? How many of you, most of us, all right? Medication. Okay, most of us, all right? Now, here's reality. If you don't feel well, and you go to your doctor, and he gives you a prescription, and you don't take your prescription, should you expect to feel better? All right? But some people do. Or they get to feeling so good, they stop taking their medication. And then what happens? They go back. If we don't, if we don't walk out the prescription, and we don't get it filled, and we don't do what the doctor asks us to do, we can't expect to feel good, to feel like we're supposed to, to be healthy. Listen, God has given us prescription to have victory over sin, but if we don't walk it out, guess what? We don't have victory. It's conditioned on our obedience. Now, most believers find themselves in the same spot when it comes to the issue of sin, especially sins that reoccur. Some people call them pet sins, okay? And here's, here's the thought process. You know what? I just can't seem to beat it. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, okay? I'm not putting you on the spot, but any of you find yourself there? I just can't beat it. But you know what? I can ask God to forgive me for it. Amen? God forgives, right? Okay, I'm leading you all down a dead end, so don't, don't jump in behind me too quick, okay? So if, you know, I'm still thinking, no, I, I just can't seem to beat it, but you know what? God will forgive me. I can ask Him to forgive me. So if I give in to it in the future, hmm, I'll just confess it, and God will forgive me. 
And you know what happens? That becomes our mindset. That becomes our mindset. And it becomes a part of our belief system. Rather than overcoming that particular sin, we accept that sin. And we give it mastery over our life. And what happens is we remain in the muck and we that's not the way God intended. And listen to me, that's not what God intended. That's not the way God intended to live. Yes, God forgives, okay? And I'll stand on top of this pulpit and declare that till the day I die. God forgives. But it was never his intention to forgive me so that I could sin some more. All right? It, it wasn't. But when our default, our fallback plan is, no matter what, God will forgive me. You know whose Kool-Aid I have drunk? The devil's. The devil's. Paul uses a, a word in his writing. And I'm going to teach you a little Greek this morning. I don't know that it will be helpful, but maybe it will. There, he uses a little word. It's a noema is the, is the word. If you want to know how that's spelled... You don't really want to know how it's spelled. Just, just remember what it means. And a noema describes exactly what the enemy does in this process. A, a noema is a thought pattern that's formed through reasoning. All right? It can be a good thought pattern or it can be a bad thought pattern. But what happens is we think on it and we roll it over and over in our mind and we come up with a solution. And that solution, that thought pattern, is a noema. That's how we think through it, and we arrive at, at a belief. And it can, and like I said, it can be a good one, it can be a bad one. In the case I'm talking about, it's a bad one, because Satan takes truth and he twists it. And, 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 and whenever we're confronted with that, that, that sin, that opposition that he throws up in front of us, that challenge, this is what happens in our mind very often. Because he whispers this. One of his favorite noemas goes like this. Man, this is pretty difficult, isn't it? This kind of puts you in a tight place, doesn't it? You're struggling, aren't you? The pressure's pretty good, isn't it? In fact, it's just too great, isn't it? Well, just go ahead and do it. Just do it. God doesn't like it, but... You know what? God will forgive you of it. He'll for, he's forgiven you every time you've confessed it in the past, hasn't he? Yes, he has, because the Bible says he'll forgive you. Then just do it, and he'll forgive you again. Now see, we have bought into that lie. Now we may not go through that same exact process, but what's happened is... We've gone through that process enough till we just go, you know what? God will forgive me. God will forgive me. God will forgive me. And what happens is the enemy uses the forgiveness of God to keep us sinning. He persuades us to ask the wrong questions. And you know what? When we come up with the wrong answer... The pattern repeats itself again and again and again. And what 
what takes place is we have the wrong perspective on sin. We believe that this lie, and, and we see it in Scripture from time to time. Paul asked this over and over and over. We believe the lie that where, where grace abounds, sin increases. Or where there's more sin, there's more grace. Now, if you're, you were asked that, you would go, oh, no, I don't believe that. But what happens is our lifestyles say otherwise. Because we don't have victory in our life over certain sins. So it means that, that in essence we believe that, as Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? Romans 6, verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin though that, so that grace may increase? May it never be. God forbid. Meganoita is the Greek word. May it never, never, never be. That's what he's saying. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? You need to, you need to file, underline that phrase there. How shall we who have died still live in it? What happens when we think this way? When we, when we let this noema take hold in our mind, this thought pattern take hold in our minds, we are thinking like slaves. Okay? Instead of sons and daughters. We're thinking like slaves. I want you to think back with me a minute uh, to the Exodus in the Old Testament. When God liberated uh, the people of Israel, they had been slaves in, in Egypt for 430 years. All right, God comes, he hears their cries, he comes, he destroys the gods of Egypt with the ten plagues. He destroys Pharaoh, he destroys his army, and he leads those, those, that group of people out of slavery with his strong headbands. That's what, that's what scripture says. Yet the people of Israel had been slaves for 400 years, and it had it had. It had affected them. They had uh, their mentality. The way they thought was like, that was like slaves. They thought like slaves. All of a sudden, they're free. Okay? They, they're not under bondage anymore. But you know what's wrong? They still think like slaves. When things got tough, what happened? Well, they'd grumble. Moan, 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 and groan. They'd grumble, and they'd complain. And which, which, this always amazes me. They wanted to go back. Their future was ahead of them. They were free, but up here they were still slaves. Okay, they couldn't see. The, 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 the opportunities, all they could see is what they had. What they used to have. They, they used to have a warm fire, a dry place, and food and water, all they needed. They just forgot that they had to make bricks every day. They couldn't go where they wanted to. They had to do what they were told. And so they, 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 whenever they faced opposition and uncertainty, they always turned back to that. They get to, to Mount Sinai, Moses disappears for 40 days, and all of a sudden they begin to complain and, and gripe and, 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 and begin to question, and all of a sudden there's opposition. What are we going to do? You know what they do? They make him a god. They make a, a, a golden calf. 
Why? Because in their minds, they were still slaves. And that's what they would have done had they been in Egypt. So when faced with a challenge, they defaulted back to their old ways of thinking like slaves. They had not learned how to think like free men and free women. Their bodies were free, but their minds were still in bondage. And so God leads them out. And he begins to bring opposition. You know where the opposition came from? God. God allowed it. I don't, God didn't necessarily cause it. He just allowed it. Why did God allow it? Why didn't God just give them everything they need and, and put shade over them all the time and, and, and they never have an issue? Why? Well, he says it a little later when they go into the promised land. He said, you know what? I've left enemies in this land. I didn't drive them all. Here, if you just swept this place clean, let us move in. Because they needed to learn how to do warfare. They needed to learn how to fight for themselves. They needed to learn how to walk out the principles that God was giving them. And what happens is, they never learn that. Israel never loses the slave mentality. They just swap masters. Okay, and I want you to hear me on this. They went from Pharaoh and to the law, and, they, and the law became their master. They thought the law was supposed to save them, but the law was only to show them their sin, to make them fall to their knees and, and say, Oh God, help us. They never got rid of the slave thinking. God was implementing a process. That's why he let the opposition come. And that process would set them completely free. They had to learn to think differently and to choose differently before they acted differently. It was a process that had to be walked out. They had to make choices. And the only way that we make choices is when we have opposition. So if you're ever in a place where there's opposition and challenge, don't moan and groan and cry out to God. Oh God, oh God, oh God, why me? Why me, God? You ever been there? Man, I have. I sound worse than the sound I just made. The reason that opposition comes is God is trying to teach me something. To show me that I need to make a different choice that I've been making over and over. Any of you ever run laps? When I was in high school, I ran miles and miles and miles of laps. Okay? Well, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> None of which I want to talk about tonight. It was not just to get in shape. Okay? But you know what? When you run laps, the scenery never changes. It never changes. If you look at, at Israel, they run laps in the desert. Why? Because God is trying to get them to make a different decision, to think differently, make a different choice, and go a different way. But they don't. That's what most of us do every day. We run the same lap. Why? Because God's got an issue he wants to deal with. And here's the way God works. He will never give you something else to do until you finish the last thing he gave you to do. He will never say, well, you know what? You're just not going to get this. I'll put this back in my pocket. With that, 
or take another lap. Take another lap. Take another lap. You know what? And he doesn't give us tennis shoes that don't wear out. What happens with us is we get older. And we get worn down by the situation and the circumstances. And sometimes we throw our hands up and we just accept things as the way they are. And all we have to do is think differently. Choose differently. And act differently. Listen, it's a process that has to be walked out. Choices have to be made. And you know what? The only way that those things happen is are challenges and opposition. They become the catalyst for change. This idea that God uh, will forgive me, so just go ahead and give in, is slave thinking. Okay, It's the epitome of slave thinking, rather than thinking like a son or a daughter who knows they can get victory and that they can overcome sin. I want you to listen to me this morning. God's goal is to take us from forgiveness of sin to victory over sin. Okay, yes, he forgives sin. Okay, please hear me. But he wants to do more in our lives than just forgive over and over and over. He wants us to get to the place where, you know what, that sin doesn't affect me anymore. It has no control over me anymore. It's a waste of the devil's time to bring that to my house because I'm not going there. That's what God wants us, where God wants us to get. He wants us to be victorious day after day after day. He wants us to embrace this more, this, this, this more that he wants to give us, this victorious life. Listen, until sin is seen as an enemy, it's always treated like an ally. We take it out of our pocket and we rub its head and we put it back in. It's like a snake, all right? The sad thing is that sooner or later, you can rub that snake's head as many times as you want, but sooner or later, he will bite you and it will kill you. It will kill something in your life. It will kill a relationship. It will kill a friendship. It will kill uh, your, your children. It will kill your job. It will kill. That's what sin does. It kills. That's all it does. But it's a process that changes the way a person thinks. And when our thinking changes, our choices change, and our actions change. You know what? This process has a name. It's called sanctification. How many of you ever heard that word? Okay. It, means, it, it literally means to be set apart, to become holy. And it's a process. There's no wave your hand over somebody's head and pray for them and they become holy. Okay? It's walked out day after day after day. You know why? Because when we were saved from sin, we brought a slave mentality into a new life. We think wrong. And so God spends that home. He spends that, that time in process of changing the way we think and the choices that we make. That's what sanctification is. It's walking out our salvation. God has given us all of this. Yes, he has. But some of it we have to claim and actually walk out. When Jesus gave us his righteousness, it, 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 it's a legal thing. He, he takes away our sin 
And he gives us his righteousness. But you know what? In real life, I have to then start to change the way I think and the way I, I act and, and, and walk that process out. If I don't walk that process out, there's no change in me. And the question then comes, have I really been saved? Because if I can just go back to the, to the mud hole and live like a pig, it's likely that I wasn't really saved. Now, I know that doesn't sit well. It doesn't play well in most places, but that's what Scripture teaches. That if, if, if you have really come to Christ, if you have been justified, if you've been declared righteous, then that righteousness will begin to walk itself out in you. It's a process. We don't become holy overnight. You don't get prayed for and somebody wave their hand over you or dump oil on you and you become holy and set apart. It's a process. It's a change in the way that we think. And it can be done. Okay? It can be done. God has empowered us with His Holy Spirit to make sure it gets done. But you and I have to choose every moment to do it. God's provided us everything we need. But He's not going to do it do it for us. Now, most of us wish he would, amen? Let's just be honest. I wish he'd just do this and I wouldn't think what I think and, and be tempted by what I'm tempted by or, or, or get angry and say things that I have to go back and apologize for. Any of y'all have that problem? Okay. Or maybe you don't say them, you just think them. Okay? Yeah, but if I don't think them, well, you, you cash it any way you want, it's still wrong, Okay? <laughs> It's better that you don't say them, but you still thought them. We just want somebody to wave their hand over us and pray for us and rub some oil on us and tell us, hey. That, but that's not how it works. It's a process, and we have to learn to employ it in our lives. So I want to share today, I'm going to share the three steps. And there are three steps. They come straight out of Scripture. And I'm going to go back in the next couple of three weeks and I'm going to expand on each one of those steps a little bit. But I'm just going to give you the steps today. But the process requires that you and I think differently so that we can make better choices based on our new way of thinking. And then what happens is that new way of thinking and those new choices produce a change in our lifestyle, in our actions, in our words in our deeds so listen stop whining and stop crying when you face opposition understand why those hardships have come they have come you know they've come to confront you you may have an issue that needs to be dealt with and so God allows those things sometimes to come into our house so we're forced to think differently and, and we're forced to choose differently and to live differently. His goal, remember, is to take us from forgiveness of sin to victory over sin. So I'm going to give you three steps this morning. I'm going to say a little bit about them and we'll be done today. Step number one, you and I need to know something. Okay, that word know is, 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 is not knowing facts. It's not a list of things. It's not knowing about something. What I'm talking about in Scripture, to know means to experience. 
So I, I have to experience something that brings a change. And when I experience something, it usually changes me. My, my father used to say this all the time. Son, experience is the best teacher. Now, there are a lot of things we don't have to learn by experience. But I promise you this. When you experience something, you never forget the lesson. All right? You touch a hot stove. You don't ever forget that. Okay? Unless you're a plumber and you use a torch a lot and every once in a while you just got to touch something to see if it's hot, okay? But that, that's one of those lessons. You, you, you learn, hey, when you, when you don't put oil in a car, you learn a lesson. You don't ever forget it. It costs you something. And so he, he, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he says, Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus, having been baptized into his death? There's something that, that he wants us to know there. He, and when, when I talk about knowing, I'm talking about up here in our thinking process. What he's saying is, is that when we came to Christ, Scripture says that we died. All right? We were literally buried with Jesus. They don't bury people that are alive. They bury people that are dead. And when you've died, you've ceased to live, right? And when Jesus was raised, we were raised with him. We were raised with him and received what he received. Now you say, well, I'm still alive. I've never died. In God's mind, you, you died. And you died to the old things that used to, 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 to grab you and take hold of you. When you came to Christ, you were, you were physically baptized, right? And we know baptism is a symbol, is an external symbol of an internal change, right? It, 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 it shows us the picture of being buried. That's what happens when someone's placed underwater. And then when they're brought out, it's symbolic of that resurrection. And what Paul wants us to do is remember that. Know that in here. You know what? I'm dead to sin. That was a part of my old life. It's not a part of my new life. I need to know that. Not just know about that. I need to know that. Think properly. Most believers think like slaves rather than like sons or daughters. But if you think properly, if you, if you have the right mindset, the right noema up here, then what happens is that sin has no power over you. You know when a person dies, nothing affects them anymore. I don't have to take orders anymore. They don't have to be at work on time anymore. They don't have to sit in traffic anymore. They don't even have to eat anymore. None of those things that control them control them anymore. They're free of those things. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. You died with Jesus Christ. That stuff doesn't have any power over you anymore. But you know what? We still think like slaves. And how you think about a particular sin determines how that sin affects you. Once you die to sin, sin no longer has power over you unless you make a choice 
to give it power over you again. Okay? And, and this applies whether it's, it's, it's lying or lust or addiction. Until I die to that sin, that sin will have control of me. Okay? The way I think up here is where it starts. You know what? I'm dead to that. Now, I'm not saying it'll stop immediately, but I'm saying if I remind myself and think right, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. At a point, I won't have to say I'm dead to it anymore because I'll believe I'm dead to it. But until I believe I'm dead to it, until I put the Word of God to work in my mind, nothing changes. It still has power over me. Listen, did Jesus overcome life? Did he die? Did he come back to life? Okay. If he has, and he has, right? I'm not sure some of you believe, believe you. Did they crucify him? Was he dead as dead could be? How long was he in the grave? Three days. So he's dead, right? Was he resurrected? Okay. If he was, we are. That's what Scripture teaches. We say, I believe the Word of God. I believe Scripture. But I don't believe all of it. I just believe the Word of God are dead to sin. And we've been raised to walk in dominion over it. So the process starts in our mind. It starts in our, our knowing, in our intellect. Our mindset has to change. Sin is not something that overwhelms us, okay? If you think that, you have a crutch. You have an excuse. It does not overwhelm us. Sin is not all-powerful. And we're not powerless against it. Sin has been defeated, and its power has been broken by Jesus. And Jesus lives in us. Amen? Well... Penny believes that he does. Okay. <laughs> if you believe it, if you know it, that truth will change the way you think. <laughs> if you don't know it, you will struggle. You will vacillate. You will begin to think, well, you know what? I just can't overcome this. It always overwhelms me. I don't have any say in this. You know what? I'll just ask God to forgive me. I won't get it, okay? I won't get it. The problem is, is if you know it, you will start to ask the right questions about it. Is this good for me? Is this healthy? Does this, make, does this push me closer to God or farther away? And when I start to answer those questions and I start to slow that process down, all of a sudden the snake looks like snake. Okay? It doesn't look so good anymore. Those big eyes that are blinking at me, they don't look so good anymore. They look like serpent eyes. That, that fun that appears to be there doesn't look like fun anymore. It starts to look like death. Starts to smell like death. See, I've stopped, I've slowed the process down. I've started to ask the right questions. And so if I ask the right questions, you know what will happen? 
I'll get the right answers. And if I get the right answers, I'll see sin for what it is. So I have to know. Okay, and we're going to talk about this more next week about some things that we need to know. That we need to have set in our mind. And if we go over those things, it will will slow that process down. And all of a sudden, when it challenges me, I can go, no, I'm not having anything to do with that. I'm moving on. I made a choice. And see, my body, it will follow my choices and the thoughts of my mind. It won't just do what it wants to do whenever it wants to do. Okay? It just won't. You may think it will, but it won't. Everything we do starts here. And then there's, 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 a th- there's a thought about it. And then there's some more thoughts about it. And then there's all of a sudden there's a choice in here. And then my body does what it, it gets to do what it wants. Guys, we've got to begin to know. We've got to begin to use our mind and think right. That's step number one. Step number two. You and I have to, Paul says, we have to consider, we have to calculate. The King James says you have to reckon something. It's not enough to think right. Okay? It don't matter if I think right, but I make bad choices. I've talked to a bazillion people who think right. But they keep making wrong choices. Alright? So I can think right and still make wrong choices. So I've got to change my choices. I've got, I've got to cause my will to listen to the intellect, to listen to my mind. My volition and my, my intellect have to match up. So we have to continually make right choices based on, on coming to a true conclusion. We have to choose to be victorious. Yes, we are victorious. That's our position. But you know what? In real life, that's conditioned on the choices I make. I can be a victor or I can get hammered. All right? I can be a victim. And a lot of people enjoy the victim lifestyle. It gets them attention. It gets them, it gets them what they feel like they need. But they are always, it's somebody else's fault. When it comes to sin, it's never somebody else's fault. It's our fault. And it's based on what we choose. So we have to choose to be victorious. Victory over sin in this life is available through Jesus. The defeat of sin is a finished work of Jesus. Did Jesus for, did he defeat sin? Okay, when it's defeated, it's defeated. Amen? So it's a defeated foe. It's not a dead foe. It's still got a sword with one arm doing this, trying to, to inflict as much as it can on the rest of us, but it's defeated. Victory over sin is our birthright, it, but it comes to us in a conditional form. And I want you to listen to me what I'm saying. Our thinking changes first, and then we have to volitionally make choices based on the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. i got to make the right choices. You've got to make the right choices. Paul says in Romans 6.11, he says, even so, and when he says that even so there, he's, he's saying, even though you know the, the facts about what Jesus has done on the cross and the resurrection, you know Jesus died, and you know Jesus was raised from the dead, and you know he had victory over sin, death, and the grave. Even so, reckon, that's the word in the King James, consider, 
Convince yourself that you're dead to sin. But you're alive to God in Jesus Christ. So because I know that I've died with Christ, now I have to make choices based on that. I've got to reckon. I've got to consider. I've got to put all this truth together and make a choice. And I have to do that over and over and over. In other words, what Paul is telling us is knowing that we're dead to sin based on our union with Christ, we have to continually choose to stay dead. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't care really what you like. That's what the Word of God says, okay? That's just, God really doesn't care there. He, he's saying if you want to have victory, you got to stay dead. That's why in Romans chapter 12, He gives us the responsibility of, of crawling up on the altar and dying and becoming a sacrifice. So we have to continually stay dead. When, whenever a sin presents itself, I have to remind myself that I'm dead to it. Now, I may have struggled with it for all my life, but at some point I've got to say, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. If I have to say it a thousand times, I'm dead to that. At some point, I will realize I really am dead to that. And I can turn and leave that. And all of a sudden, guess what's happened? I've become victorious over something that was my slave and my taskmaster for most of my life. It won't affect me when I'm dead to it. If I don't entertain how good it looks, or how fine it is to my eyes, or how it will make me feel, or what I can get out of it, if I'm dead to it, it won't affect me. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Let, let me give you an illustration, okay? And I've, I've used this illustration. I don't know if I've used it here. But I used to go to the hospital when I was at First Baptist Gardenhill every Thursday for 12 and a half years. Every Thursday was my hospital day. I Gardendale, and I went down through Fultondale, up through North Birmingham to the hospitals. I just decided it's easier than getting on the interstates, all right? And not because I'm afraid of the interstate, because there's always a wreck, an accident, or they're doing something. Well, I've been going that way, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a billboard right over where the, the Jiffy Check you totem used to be. That was years ago. If you don't know where that's at, right across from where the old motel was down the, the hill kind of thing. There's a billboard there. And it's, it's a billboard for a certain kind of liquor. Well, they didn't just have a bottle of it up there. They had a beautiful lady up there. And I'm telling you, man, she was, she was good looking. And I'd drive by and, you know, I'd be going this way. I just, because I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm being straight up with you, okay? And then my head's messed up for the next two hours. Well, now I got a choice. I don't need to look at her, okay? I don't need to look. I just need to look this way. I told somebody about it, I said, why don't you go another way? Well, I could go another way, but I want victory over that. I don't want, I don't want that to be a stumbling block to me. I want to, to gain victory. So I kept going that way. And when I'd get to, uh, I'd get to the place where the, uh, what's the grocery store on the left? Jiffy. No, not the Jiffy Check. Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie. I'm, I'm modern day in it now. When I get to the Winn-Dixie, I would just look this way. I'd go right past the bow board. And you know what? 
No problem in my mind. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it again. And I learned that, you know what, if I look the other direction, if I'll make a choice, if I, I know that that's not going to mess me up, I know I don't need to be there, and I make a choice, I'm going to look the other way. You know what, my eyes will do what my brain tells them to do. They're not on swivels and, and go wherever they want to. They're not like magnets. All right? And so I learned that if I will take control of my eyes, my brain will stay in the place it needs to stay, and it won't think what it doesn't need to think. And you know what? Finally, they took her down. But I didn't know it for a year or so. Because I made sure I looked. And I just learned in that. You, you laugh, and, and it is funny. It, it's pitiful, really, it's what it is. But that's reality. Y'all all live in the same place. She may not be on a billboard, guys. She may be at the office. She may, you may pass her every day. Ladies, it's the same. It's, you know, he may not be on a billboard. He, he may not be in a magazine. He may be where you work. That's just one kind of sin. But if, we, if all of a sudden we begin to make the right choices, I had to consider, you know what, I'm dead to that. That doesn't have any appeal on me. And you know what, after a few weeks, it honestly no longer had any appeal. I didn't want to look. I didn't care anymore. I got victory over that. And so we have to make the choice. And you know what? It's tough initially. My little pea brain was going, look, 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 look. You're going to miss it. Look, look, look. Mm -mm, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm having a conversation all the way down the highway. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I just mashed that gas down. I hope the light's green, not red, okay? I'm just being honest with you. You may struggle that way. It's real. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's how it works. He gets in your head. He sits on your shoulder and he screams lies. And they've worked. And he's 99% sure they're going to work again. But at some point, I have to make a choice. Because I know in my head, this is not good. This won't help me. This will mess me up. And all of a sudden... I make that choice, and I make it again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And then all of a sudden, I've developed a muscle there that gives me victory over that sin. A new road. i got to be aware there's going to be a new temptation, a new issue, but I've made the right choices. Listen, sin has no effect on a dead person. Sin's not powerful enough to make us do anything. We choose based on whether we are alive or dead to that particular sin. So we have to make the right choices. That means I have to stay away from environments that are filled with that sin. I have to stay away from a clear of people where that sin flourishes in their life. I have to take control of thought patterns that empower the lust that that sin baits me out toward. And we're going to talk about this in a few days, but you know why sin, lust comes up? Because there's something in us that has a need. And, and Satan just flips that, that, that bait over there. That bait doesn't make me sin. It's the choice I make in here. I mean, I, think about this, those of you that fish. I mean, we fish with rubber worms and rubber frogs, okay? They don't taste like real frogs and real worms to fish. But you know what? When that thing wiggles just right, 
That fish can't stand it. Did that frog make them bite? No, it was something inside of them that was hungry. There was something that was wrong in here. And that's, that's those choices. That's those choices. So we have to know, okay? And then we have to reckon. And third, if we'll, if we'll know and we'll reckon, Paul says then we're to present. And the King James word is, is, is yield. Our bodies as yielded vessels to God so that our lifestyles change. I surrender my body to Jesus Christ. If I know something sinful, I choose not to embrace it, then you know what happens? A change takes place in the way I act. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. He says, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and our members as instruments of righteousness to God. So I, I've got a choice. I can present my, my body as an instrument of, of unrighteousness, my body to Jesus. I can present my body to those sins or I can present my, my body to Jesus Christ. Listen, if, if somebody showed up at the back of the church with a bowl and that bowl had botulism in it, Y'all know what botulism is? Some of you know because it's what they inject in people's faces now and, and get rid of wrinkles. In the Middle Ages, botulism killed about 75% of the world. It's the black plague. All right? Botulism is, is awful. And let's just say somebody showed up at the back and they had a bowl of botulism. And anybody that wanted to could go back there and run their hands down in it and rub it all over their face and, and go on to the house. How many of you would do that? None of us. And yet we present ourselves to sin. It's botulism. It killed Adam. It killed Eve. Listen to me. It killed Jesus. He became sin for us. He died for us. It didn't take his life. He gave his life, but he had to give his life for it. That's how deadly it is. And nobody escapes the, 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 the death that it causes except through Jesus Christ. So it's deadly stuff. It's just like botulism. But none of us would go back there and put a little here and here like you do perfume and rub it in and all that. Kind of, we wouldn't do that, right? Why? Because I'm afraid I'll die if I do. Okay? Listen, when we get that mindset in here when it comes to sin, it'll change the way we act. I'm, I'm just telling you. Listen, if I yield my body to God, I give God authority and ownership over my body. And so by yielding in obedience to God, I make Him my master rather than sin. But if I choose the opposite way, I make myself a slave to that sin. It controls me. No God no longer controls me. Yeah, but He's my Savior, but He no longer controls you because you've given yourself over to this particular sin. You have to serve somebody. It's either going to be sin or it's going to be righteousness. 
You know what? For too long in the church, we have tried to change behavior that in, out involving the mind and involving the, win, the will. We've just said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That's wrong. We don't do that. We don't go there. We don't see that. We don't participate in that. We don't, we don't, we don't. And you know what the result of that is? It's not freedom over sin. It's legalism. We developed a code that if we don't do this and this and this and this and this, we're okay. The only problem with that code is that code may affect the way we act sometimes. It doesn't affect the way we think or the choices that we make. We're still got, we still have problems, and, and the process never gets off the ground, and sanctification gets stuck in the mud, and we're not a lot like Jesus. We're mean. Y'all ever been in a place where the people in that, in that, in that, in that, in that congregation were mean and angry and vindictive, and they walked around with rocks just waiting for you to mess up? You ever been there? Okay, that's a place that's filled with legalism. There's a right way to act, but they don't think right, okay? I got to move on. I got to I got to finish up, okay? Legalism might work externally a little bit, but internally the thought process and the and the and the volitional process, they never change. And if they don't change, my lifestyle will not be changed. You know what? I may act right when I'm around them because I'm afraid of what they're going to say and what they're going to think. But when I get out on my own, guess what? I am who I am. I am what I think. I am what I choose. And ultimately, I struggle with the same old sins over and over and over and over. And I buy into Satan's lie. Just go ahead. It's just one more time. God has forgiven you in the past. He'll forgive you again. And the cycle repeats itself. And it repeats itself. And it repeats itself. And I don't walk in freedom. Listen, sanctification is a change of mind that affects a change of volition that checks that affects a change of lifestyle. And it's a faith process. It, it happens a little at a time. Sometimes there are big jumps. Listen, you get a victory over a sin that has beset you for years, and it's a big jump. It's a... And listen, the way that that, that, that increase of faith comes is when we respond correctly and we choose correctly and we make application correctly to what we have heard God say. We don't file what God says do and don't do in here so that we just don't do it. We put it in here, in our mind. Why, God, why should I not do this? Well, son, this will destroy you and it will destroy your family and it will destroy your friends. All right, God, I understand that. That's why I don't do that. Okay? I'm going to make choices. When confronted with it, no, I don't want any of that. That's not healthy. That won't be good for my family. That won't be good for my, my church. That won't be good for my friends. And then I act differently. And faith grows. 
We become more like Jesus as we believe what he says. And then we make our choices based on what we believed. And then we act out those choices in our beliefs every day by our actions. We have to know. Okay? We'll talk about that next week a little more. We have to consider and we have to choose. I mean, we have to have, sometimes we have to, you ever had to argue with yourself? Oh, this would be good. No, it won't. No, it won't. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. No, it won't. Sometimes you have to do that. You know what? Just because I, just because of, of, we don't put our faith in feelings, all right? We put our faith in facts. And the feelings will follow the facts, all right? That's just reality. So we, we, then we, we act it out. We have to yield. We have to yield. I, I have to decide who I'm going to yield my body to. Is it going to be God or is it going to be sin? It's a simple choice. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6.23. And we're, sometimes we're more familiar with the front of this verse than we are the end of this verse. For the wages of sin is death. All right, we're familiar with that. Wages are what we have earned. When you present your body to sin, you get paid for it. It doesn't say a holiday at the beach. It doesn't say a week away in the mountains. It says death. What's death? Separation from God. It's, it's death. It's separation from the things you love, the things that are important to you, the things that, that make a difference in your life. You're separated. You get separate. Sin separates you. Like a wolf, sin is death from the herd. So for the wages of sin is death. But there's a, a little conjunction in this verse. But, but, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, we can be victorious over sin. We just have to change the way we think. We have to change the choices we've been making. And the actions will follow. Guys, we can walk in victory. We don't have to be the same person we were tomorrow that we were today. We can be different. It's a process. It's a process. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.